the Links and Locks podcast. podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm excited to be joined by Spencer Aguiar and Nick Brettwish, my co-hosts today and every day here on the Links and Locks. This week, we'll be previewing the Charles Schwab Challenge. The PGA Tour heads back to Fort Worth, Texas, and one of our hosts is rumored to have seen a wild hammer kid on the loose, and another one is drinking Haterade by the gallon to stay cool in that Texas heat. We'll figure out what that means and what are my co-hosts up to with their best bets in just a moment. But I want to welcome you guys in. And without any further ado, Nick, what's your best bet of the week? And do we have the Hammer Kid on property there at Colonial Country Club this week? He's out. He went to Dallas-Fort Worth. He showed up on the property. Uh, this is just a bad price. And there's it's like it could be a red flag a little bit. We're are gonna talk about Russell Henley, top 40, minus 137 is laying out there. I have that at minus 250. Some books have it at minus 275. Wow. I, I wouldn't I mean I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't bet it if it's minus two hundred. That's just too much juice to lay, especially when there's volatility and a guy that you know is a volatile putter. These greens are you know flat, like you said, you've been on property. Relatively easy, but it is a ball striker's paradise. Russell Henley is that guy. It's a short course, doesn't need to be super long. Should fit him perfectly, but to finish inside the top 40, minus 137, hammer it. All right, and we've got both your your odds implied and other books confirming that there's an edge there, so be sure to take advantage of that if you can find it out there. Spencer, what's your best bet this week, and why are you betting it? Guys, I don't think I'm a very fun person is what this answer comes down to here. Michael Block to miss the cut minus 210. So Ugh. it's a fun story. And I'm not sure Block necessarily implodes, but let's look at this from a logical perspective. So one, the price wouldn't have been offered if it weren't for what he did at the PGA Championship. We are now getting bettable choices at a reduced rate here. And then two, I have enough data that I can run on him in my model, which does include last week's finish for him. That doesn't love his numerical output that I'm getting. He ranked dead last in this field for upside out of 120 players. The weighted proximity was last. His weighted scoring was at the bottom. You know, the one thing he has going for him probably is that it's a reduced field. Um, it's already weaker at the bottom with some of these final few names, but we are getting a very reasonable number because of what he did last week. That's always what we want to look for since the market has shifted way too drastically because of what ends up being a feel-good story here. I hope I'm wrong from a non-financial perspective. It would be great if he could continue this run and make a cut, but I will grab what I deem to be value here at minus 210 for him to miss the cut. I think that number's moved a little bit at this point. I think you can still grab it in the 200s, but to me, anywhere in the 200s is just an incorrect price that you wouldn't have gotten if it wasn't for what occurred last week. So you're saying Cinderella... Has the clock strike? Has the clock strike twelve? And you're drinking all that haterade. Hopefully, the Cinderella story continues. But if not, Spencer's going to cash in. And I'm going to go on a little bit more positive note with Emiliano Grio, 47th or better at minus 120 there in the placement market bets section under Bet365. 
And I'm doing it for three reasons. He's got experience on the course. He's playing well. He's in good form. And the course also suits his game. So first off, the course. It doesn't highlight driving distance. Only two par fives on the property. And one of them is a three-shotter for the vast majority of players in the field. So that's not going to hurt him. And it also accentuates his strengths elsewhere. Um, also, around the green, not a skill, not one of the best parts of Emiliano Grillo's game. He's below average there. But this is one of the easiest places to get up and down on the entire PGA Tour. The bunkers are the easiest to get up and down of on the entire tour as well. And I think that suits his game. And he's got two top 10 finishes in seven starts on this on this course. So he has upside, but overall, four top 24 finishes in seven starts. A couple made cuts that just fell outside of this 47 or better range. But I think he comes in with some strong form. And most notably, it's a shorter course there at Colonial. A lot of shots between 100 and 200 yards. And more specifically, between 150 and 200 yards since January 1st. He ranks in the top 10 over the last two years. And also he ranks second in this field in 150 to 200 yards in strokes gained since January 1st. Sorry, I misspoke on that one. But overall, strokes gained approach is going to be the bread and butter for him. The putter may or may not show up for Griot, but I'm not really counting on it. As long as he plays well on approach this week, he's going to be solid. And I think he should finish in that top 47 and cash this one. If, Fellas, if, we, just really quickly on that I mean, if you throw out what happened last week at the PGA Championship, which I don't think that was the greatest course fit for him. He was trending in the right direction with the foreman. He's one of those players when he gets hot, he can get hot. So my model liked him. I didn't necessarily figure out a way that I wanted to play him. But I think from like a safety perspective, that's probably the best potential route to consider. I think that's an intriguing answer that you came up with there. And yeah, I, I love those. The, oh, sorry to cut you off real yeah. quick. I love those bets on Bet365 when you get a little bit better placement than, you know, 40th. I think, who'd we do it with uh, two weeks ago? Was it Bez? Yes. Yeah. At the and Byron Nelson, I think that's when we did it. Yeah, at uh, 47th or better, same price for him. So I, I love that. Yeah, I think those, you're, uh, you're finding value. They're safe bets. And I think that's a very good way to just continuously build your bankroll if you're only, you know, taking a couple bets a week. Something like that is advantageous, in my opinion. That's kind of how I am with the top 40s. Spencer, I'll lead you into the course preview here. And Nick, if you have anything, you can add it after Spencer. But one thing I'm looking at this week, the greens are really flat and they're pure bent grass. So guys who are great at putting and guys who are on the other end of the distribution putting wise are guys who I think might have some value this week. And Grio, not one of the better putters on the PGA Tour, although his numbers are decent this year. I think he'll be he'll benefit from some of those flatter greens and also just the more of an emphasis on ball striking. We also know this, that this is one of the more predictive tournaments as far as course history goes on the PGA Tour as well. Uh, mentioned I got to call the tournament for PGA Tour Live here last year. Also did a loop uh, for a friend in the Pro-Am on Monday last year, so got to walk the course as well. Um, unfortunately, they're going to be redesigning it, or fortunately, they're going to be redesigning it as soon as the course finishes hosting the tournament this year. I believe they want to make the, the greens a little bit more undulating and challenging. And then some of the bunkers a little bit more challenging to get up and down from as well. Just overall, the green complex is not sure how much distance they can add, but Spencer, what else are you honing in on this week in your course preview in your model? Yeah. So colonial country club, one of the shortest courses on the PGA tour, 
that factor would typically generate a birdie fest output, especially considering that the track has been known to play 200 yards less than the 7,209 yard number on the scorecard. However, in my opinion, we can quickly realize that length isn't what makes a venue problematic. When you look into Colonial consistently over these years playing as one of the more challenging stops on tour, I don't know if we're necessarily going to get one of those single digit type of tournaments that we've gotten in the past. I talked with Nick about this on our show together and I mean, maybe this ends up creeping into the 15 to 18 under range. And I mean, still, that's easy. That's harder than you would get on some of these weeks. So it's just something to keep in mind. But you have these tree line fairways, force layups that are going to stymie second shots if drives go wayward off the tee. That's one of the reasons we get a significant decrease in importance for distance. It's not as if accuracy necessarily gets a massive jump either when you look at the data. But the entire output from past iterations of this contest does start pushing us in the direction of this being a venue where approach totals and putting will likely be the critical components that we need to look into to find success. So I think there are a couple of key answers to give based off of that reasoning. One, smaller than average greens accentuate the yearly increase that the field experiences with their flat stick. Um, you talked about it a second ago to Roberto. These are very easy greens to put on. So you could make an argument that maybe it helps the better putters. Maybe it helps the worst putters. We talked about this before the show. Maybe it makes a difference in what market you're trying to get a bet in there. But 6.2% more putts get made from 10 to 25 feet than average for partially that reason there. The other reason would come down to what I'm going to say here for number two. Um, a 4.1% increase in dispersion of scoring for strokes gain approach is taking place on average. So I consider that a really unique answer since irons aren't being hit as close to the pin as we would typically see weekly which in my model's opinion renders this belief that hitting a green in regulation is probably the most important thing for this tournament to find success. And then when we add that to the ability to make those opportunities at a higher frequency with your putter, and that's one of the things in these like pitch and putt contests, if we want to call it that, that I like to run in my model is find me the good approach player and then, then try to like equate it into a make percentage for players in each range. Because just because a guy's a bad putter, if he's creating more opportunities, he doesn't need to make as money to work as many of those putts to work himself up the leaderboard. So I really like that pitch and putt uh, perspective that I ran in my model this week. But I think that answer is going to kind of be what you need to find success. That's probably not always ideal for betting since it highlights some of the more volatile variables that come into play when you do need to rely on your putter a little bit. But there are a few ways, in my opinion, to try to get around that when you are constructing numbers this week. Like the first answer would be, putting the approach in with the putting. I think that's something that you can do to get rid of some of the putting. Also look at more of the approach there. And then the second answer, uh, just to very quickly touch on that, I think a total driving gear towards accuracy, it doesn't need to be solely towards accuracy, but just gear it towards accuracy. And then GIR percentage, that's going to help get some of the safety for this venue here. So those are the two ways that I tried to run things to get a little bit different from a model that is a challenging course, but very basic in its expectation. As you said, Roberto, it's a very, it's one of those courses where every single year you seem to get rollover success from players who have it. Yeah, there's a lot of scorable holes out there. I think just one thing to add is that holes three, four, five are known as the horrible horseshoe. They go in a U shape around the driving range there. You've got a sharp dog leg left where you want to hit a draw off the tee. And then you've got to hit that fairway if you want to put it anywhere near the green. Then the second hole, that three hole stretch, Super long par three. You really just want to get par and get out of there. Not a great hole by my estimation. Just really long. Not what I want to see in a par three. 
And then the fifth hole, probably the best hole on the course, slight dogleg right, also over 480 yards, just like the third hole. And that one's probably the toughest hole on the course, plays like it most every year. And also the wind makes it tough to hit that fairway sometimes. If you can navigate those three holes and then go low the rest of the course, you're going to be in really good shape. Guys, let's get into the outright cards for you guys this week. Nick, I'll start off with you. All right, we're going to lead it off with Tommy Fleetwood, 34-1. to 1. I have him at 31-1, to 1, so just a slight number grab. I did not have a lot of value at the top of the board. You know, the guys with all the implied win equity like Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Sanjay M, Spieth, Oma, et cetera, et cetera. I did choose one of them up there, though. It was Tony Finau at 14-1. to 1. I love him here. Um, course history is fine, too, if you want to add that to support. I, I love his putting on bent grass. He's just in a good player. I mean, he could drive it long. He could drive it accurate. I think he could shape it left and right. I think it's a really good course for him. Um, I also liked Sanjay M at 20 to one. I took Will Gordon at 250 to one because it's me and I have to mention Will Gordon. Uh, but that one long shot as well is Billy Horschel, 250 to one. Personally, I don't think any of these long shots are going to win. It's probably going to be someone with this, you know, 2% implied probability that 40 to one or shorter. But um, when I did go up the board, taking Sanjay M and Tony Fina were my guys. Uh, did leave myself about half a unit to play with uh, for live betting this week. I think that's probably the best way to go about it is kind of what Spencer did last year when he hit Sam Burns. It was a genius breakdown by him on why he did it and got a great price. Uh, I think that's kind of what I'll do. If not, I'll just tail Spencer in the live market like I usually do. Spencer, let's get into who you've got this week before you delve into that live market. I mean, I, I think from a pre-tournament perspective, I might have the grossest card ever created if we're being honest here. And part of that reason is, is because I am trying to save some bullets from an in-tournament perspective here. Um, the other answer that I would give that I've talked about a lot on this show that I just want to keep mentioning is I continue to believe that books are masking a lot of these prices near the top, like of the top 10 or 12 golfers. I think part of that reason probably stems from shops not being willing to take on as much action because of some of the live departures, but it's created this massive hold percentage market that has a handful of flaws. Like bet three, six, five is obviously one of the better books in the entire space. If you want to talk about outrights, but there's a lot, if you want to compare them to bet three, six, five, you're going to realize this answer very quickly where the whole percentages are just not even worth looking at the book for the week with it. And uh, that's the one reason why I always push everybody in the bet three, six, five market. And if you have access to them, be sure to check them out. But it's kind of like, I mean, and it's the answer we've talked about a lot on here. Like 30% of the tournaments this year have either been won by Rom or Scheffler this season. That's going to be hard for us to hit because we're not really going to the top of the board. We've also gotten a ton of wins from choices like, you know, Jason Day, Corey Connors, Brooks Kepka last week. Those are prices that are either in the teens or in the like mid twenties by the time that they go off. I'm just not finding value on those numbers. And, and the problem isn't so much as if you're finding like value is the only answer that matters at the end of the day here but the other problem that comes into play is is when they're masking the market at the top you create these really hard markets to bet into because if i want to bet hypothetically here you know we'll just give player x we won't even give a player here at 15 to 1 all of a sudden and player x is probably xander because i bet xander every single week so that's like <laughs> an obvious go. answer there but player x at 15 to 1 you know there's a ramification for when that bet doesn't hit like I can't just every single week say, here's my four play sub 25 to one. I'm going to lose money in the long term by doing that. Like there's real ramifications that come in by being too overly exposed in these markets. And that's kind of what's worrying me here. Like 
there's a lot of players I can name. I think Nick talked about a couple of them. Like I considered Fleetwood. I considered Sungjae. I consider. I always consider Sungjae. It never seems to work out. But I considered Finau. Like those are names that I think all make sense. I considered Homa. But because I don't have an answer where any of those players grade as a value for me, I'm kind of in this spot now where I would rather just take some of those. 40 to one or higher numbers, create a card that gives me room. Like I have a half unit in play and I can figure this out later on. So I bet Nick's boy, Russell Henley at 45 to one. I think if we're talking about good versus bad putters here, 120th in my model out of 120 players in projected putting from uh, 10 plus feet, not what you want to see, but you know, in the same answer, if all of a sudden we get an aberrational finish from him here where the flat stick is like somewhat decent or dare I say, actually good here. You know, this is how you get a real top five, seven, 10% win equity choice in Russell Henley. So I thought 45 to one was a really good number. It's dropped a little bit, but I still think anything 40 to one plus makes sense. I bet Siwoo Kim at 45 to one. uh, That's going to be a player where the course history is horrible here, but I'm kind of willing to bet on the upside of what we've seen. I made a little bit of a mistake on that. I saw that number drift to 55 to one. And then I went to sleep on Monday night thinking that it would continue to drift because of the bad course history that he had. I didn't think anybody was on him. I woke up and he was 45 to one or less at every single market. Ended up equating to a 0.03 unit mistake. You don't necessarily want to be making mistakes like that, but it was small enough to where I was still willing to jump in because I had value. Um, I mean, Nick, close your ears on this one. Brian Harmon at 70 to one. I'm going to bet on the course history of this. There was only five players in this event that had more top 10 ranks in my statistical model than what we got from Brian Harmon. I bet KH Lee at 90 to one. Um, Very similar answer that I would give with Siwoo Kim here to where the course history is not going to look great, but I do think he's trending in the right direction here in 2023. And then I wrapped up my card with a golfer that whether he's in the tournament or he tries to pull out of the tournament, I think I've named this name pretty much for the last two months. Mark Hubbard, 250 to one. If you shop around out there, you can actually find better than that price. It's been drifting up in the market, but kind of just hoping that the stats are good enough. He doesn't necessarily break my model, but if he can get himself on the first page of the leaderboard, maybe he catches lightning in the bottle here and we can make an actual run at this on a player that I seem to think is like a legitimate top 25, 30 player. Kind of the answers I've been giving with Steven Yeager in some of these events to where my model doesn't necessarily think he's going to win. But when he was 100 to 1 in those fields, it was a real conducive bet to try to make it. We're even getting a better price to do it with Hubbard here. So, uh, I mean, essentially that equals a half unit for me. I will have whatever I deem that I want to bet it from an in-tournament perspective. I usually like to not go over a unit. Um, Definitely don't like to go over 1.25 units from the outright market. But it definitely gives me a lot of room to potentially add a play like Sam Burns like I did last year at uh, 90 to 1 last year. That was one of the better ads that I've made in quite some time. That was awesome. Yeah. Hey, for what it's worth, boys, Russell Henley gained strokes putting at the Fort Worth Invitational at Colonial Country Club in 2018, just five years ago. <laughs> just turn back the clock a little bit, Russ, get that plastic rolling and uh, win the event and finish top 40 for me too, please. Thank you. I've got a few uh, outrights that I want to touch on that you guys mentioned. I hadn't considered it before, but Billy Horschel, 250 to one. I hadn't seen that number. I'll hop on that one all day. Um, we know he's a great putter and a guy who can turn it on on approach. He's had some approach spike weeks this year, although it has not been consistent. So if you're going, if you want to bet him, upside is the way to go. So I like that one. I'll tail it. And then I'm also very intrigued by Tommy Fleetwood this week. In addition to Victor Hovland, I didn't bet either of them. Didn't love the number. I didn't see a 34 out there. Had I seen a 34, perhaps I would have taken a Tommy Fleetwood there. 
Uh, best I can find right now is 28, unfortunately, uh, which crosses your key threshold, Mick. Um, I really like Tommy. The form is outstanding. And I think that if there's a place where he can win, this is nearly tailor-made for him. And I think the same with Victor Hovland, another guy who I think hasn't won as much as maybe he should have, especially in big-time stateside events. And this is, although it's not a designated event, this is probably the best field we've had in a non-designated event in quite a while on the PGA Tour, um, at least over the last few months. I think t Victor Hovland, someone I'm just very bullish on. Uh, I got a really nice number on him last week, hit him a couple times at 80 and 50 to 1 after those opening round, opening hole bogeys. Uh, so had a nice little um, live betting week last week. But hopefully, I think he can get it done this week. And as I mentioned, those holes three, four, five are trouble, the horrible horseshoe, as they call it, over there in Fort Worth. Perhaps we get some players that we want to target that we've discussed right now who maybe we didn't put a bet on before the tournament. Maybe they slip up on one of those holes early on if they're on that front nine, teeing off on the first hole, and we can get a better number. So I'm going to look for that early in the round on Thursday to try to get a number potentially on Fleetwood or Hovland. But at their current numbers, it's just too rich for me. But getting into the plays that I actually have bet, I, I'm going to start with Justin Rose, guy who's got elite course history. He set the tournament scoring record at 20 under par, and he's made the cut every year except for last year, which was his worst year on the PJ Tour in approach play. And since then, the approach play has spiked back up, not quite to the levels that he was at for most of his prime. But he's shown with the win this year at Pebble Beach, a course that is somewhat similar, not perfectly similar to this course, but similar in that driving distance isn't a huge playing a huge role on this course. Although we have seen that it's still an asset as Sam Burns has proven and Jason Kokrak the year before that last couple of years. But what both of those guys have in common with Rose is that they're elite putters and he is one of the best putters in this field. And one of the few putters who is really strong among those names at 30 to one or shorter he gained strokes on approach in nine consecutive tournaments. So the form is sublime for him. And he's also strong with the flat stick recently as well, where he's gained strokes putting in eight of nine. And that one that he didn't gain strokes putting was barely negative, like minus 0.03 strokes per round. So really consistent form from him on approach and with the putter. And Spencer, you mentioned where if this turns into a pitch and putt contest, I like Justin Rose and his chances as much as just about anyone out here, especially for the price. And the driving distance, as we mentioned, not a big, not a strength for him, but it's mitigated with just those two par fives on this par 70. So I really like Justin Rose. This course is a thinking man's course. Ben Hogan has had a ton of success around here towards Spieth as well. And I think a veteran who's got experience on this course is someone I want to play this week. And at just inside 30 to one, I like Justin Rose, but I would not go below 26 to one on him this week. And then in addition to him, I took some long shot flyers just because I want to save room for that live card. As we mentioned, I bet Harris English again at 80 to one. He did have a decent week last week with his approach play, gaining almost a stroke per round at the PGA championship, but had a tough week everywhere else and missed the cut at the PGA. So I think we're getting a pretty good number here on him. And then also gain strokes on approach in each of the last two turns before that has a top three in two designated events this year. So we know the upside's there for him. He's another strong putter. So I like his chances this week at that number. Additionally, I bet Eric Hole 100 to one. This is his first time here and he's not very long and he's relatively not accurate either. 
but he is super strong on approach and he's a great putter. If we can get him into that pitch and puck contest, I'll be it from a few yards farther back in the fairway, but just get in the fairway. I think he's got an outside chance this week in a hundred to one. I'm playing him. And then I guess I added Billy Horschel to the card as well. And that's it for me, but looking live at Fleetwood and Hovland in particular, although if we get some other number on one of those big time players, we mentioned throughout the year, Finau is someone that we're all bullish on someone else to consider. And I really like his form here as well, as you mentioned, Nick. Um, guys, any other thoughts on outrights before we get into the rest of our cards? I have a, I have one thing I want to say. So we keep calling this a pitch and putt contest. And I would like to at least say who's inside the top five of my model for that, because okay. I think that can add some context to what we're talking about here. So number one, Tom Hoagie. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense from his approach play and some of the weighted putting numbers for him obviously shot him to the top. Your boy, Roberto, Justin Rose, number two, three, Max Homa, four, Tommy Fleetwood, five, KH Lee, Victor Hovland, just a couple spots back there still inside the top 10. So like if I'm looking at this from a live in tournament betting perspective here, I think for me, the three names and you named two of them already that I'm really trying to keep an eye on. Tommy Fleetwood, I'd really like to see where I can get on that. Victor Hovland, I don't know if I necessarily expect to be able to find a number. Like, it's one of those spots to where even if he plays poorly, I don't know if they ever drift him far enough away for the bet to make sense. We'll see. You never know with these books. And then Max Homa would be my third choice. I have not been very heavy on Max Homa these past couple months, but I think we're right finally back to an event where he can find some success here. So those are the three names I'm going to be keeping the heaviest eye on, and I really try to want to find a way to get on Fleetwood because like, we don't want to keep trying to chase this win on him, but this is one of the better tournaments where I think he has a legitimate win equity here compared to even the price. Like, like Nick, like you said about Nick's play, if I could have found 34 to one or whatever that number was, it would have mm-hmm. been a much different play. I also see it in the twenties now, and I'm not going to bet it at that price, but um, I-, I think Fleetwood's a really intriguing option this week. Nick, anybody else whom you didn't bet that you would, consider in the live market if you have some room Ooh, that is a good question i really want to bet victor hovland i uh, i think this is a really good spot for him the while the market does not respect him as much in the matchups for guys up top with that high of uh implied probabilities but if i had to choose one other guy that i'm watching live oh man i'd say jordy i think jordy looked plenty healthy last week tears it up from these proximities tears it up on bent grass um, obviously has great course history. Texas guy didn't get to play uh, two weeks ago at the Byron Nelson. I think Jordy should be, uh, you know, no one's talking about him. His price is really low in DFS too. So I, I'm going to go with Jordan Speed. I like Speed a lot. And I want to keep an eye on his around the green game because normally one of the strengths of his game, one of the best in a long time on the PGA Tour around the green. The last two weeks where we've seen, well, last two tournaments for him, the Wells Fargo and then where he missed the cut, and then the PGA Championship last weekend, the week after he skipped the Byron Nelson, he lost strokes around the green both times, which before that, he had gained strokes in eight straight tournaments around the green. A lot of people are focusing on the long shots, on approach, and off the tee, the full swings, but it's that touch around the green, especially on a course where you're going to need to get the ball up and down because it's got tiny greens, and even though it is relatively easy, if he can't be himself like that, that's something I want to watch. I want to watch out for. But if we get around or early on where he looks like he's pulling off all those shots, I'm very much interested in keeping an eye on Jordan Spieth's numbers because, as everybody's pointed out, he looked good on those full swings as well. And 
just the speed pack, the speed factor and the course history are incredible here. One of his best courses anywhere on the PGA Tour. And he's got a lot of them. Okay, folks, summer is nearly here. So let's talk about Shady Rays, friends of the Action Podcast family. Shady Rays is an independent company offering world-class polarized sunglasses, just as good as any expensive pair you've worn. And like our unshakable gambling spirits, their frames are incredibly durable. Plus, Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. That means if you lose your shades or break them, even a minute after they arrive, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, that's fine. Nobody gets mad. Just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. It's not like betting the Devils or the Knicks, for example. So exclusively for our podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Guys, let's get into the rest of your cards. I'll start with you, Spencer. Who you got? I guess I'll go to the head-to-head sector here. So uh, this play has miscut versus miscut potential written all over it. I understand when I give it, but I'll give some of the reasons why I like it. So Ben Griffin minus 120 over Adam Shank. I don't necessarily love Griffin. Uh, He's missed four of his past five cuts himself, but most of those failures have resulted from one or two shots here and there. It doesn't mean the game is where we want it to be for a wager that's supposed to have safety to it. But Shank and Michael Block, ironically, were the two golfers that my model thought were the biggest overachievers when looking at their price for this week's event. Shank's experiences a 39-spot decrease in projected tee to green for Colonial over his expectation on a random course. And then the weight of proximity encounters the same slip-up when I looked into his 23-position fall for this venue. You know, like I said, I, I do believe there's a real chance that we could lose this bet in some of one of those miscut, miscut technicalities here. But you could promise me that Griffin would get through to the weekend. I feel really confident about this play. And then even if it does encounter one of those miscut, miscut types of situations, that's not really something that I've been immune to over the years. Like, I think I win more bets than maybe anybody in the entire world in this situation of like a miscut versus miscut. So I don't have a problem of playing this gross game at the bottom of the board and As I always say, I'm trying to find somebody that I'm trying to fade rather than somebody I'm trying to play. So while I'm not necessarily aggressively trying to play Ben Griffin, I do think there are reasons to be optimistic about his potential here. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but it's more so that I'm trying to fade Shanks. So that is my head-to-head play. And then uh, I don't know if you want me to continue into the placement market, or I guess we can stop there. Go ahead. Okay, so I only have two. It's going to be very quick here. I'm going to go back to Mark Hubbard in a different bet. Mark Hubbard, top 40, plus 185. I kind of think that he's relatively safer than you would expect for a golfer that's priced in the section. Um, He's one of the best dart throws that I have on this board to consider. And then any single time that you can get him in one of these spots where a golfer is two to one, where you think they have a realistic chance to make the cut, 
The other thing to mention here, there's only 120 players. It's going to be a little bit easier to make the cut. So if you can get yourself into the weekend, then all of a sudden you have a chance to work yourself up the leaderboard. And I really like Hubbard from a statistical perspective. And then the other play for me is just a golfer that I've really liked how he's looked the past month. Matthew Neesmith, top 40, plus 160. I think most betting markets are a little bit too low on his potential this week. I always seem to think that these short methodical courses are where he finds his best success. And then it shows up metrically when looking at his upside increases for weighted tee to green and strokes gain total on similar venues. So um, I had about 20 points of value here. I think any single time that the numbers are checking the boxes with the way that you would expect them to, and it's presenting value, that's always something to consider there. So uh, it's just going to be two long shot wagers for me. It's going to be kind of that gross head to head. And then I have 1.75 units on Michael Block to miss the cut. That's a very big bet for me. So that's like technically the biggest bet that I have on the board here. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm a hater. I guess I don't like to have fun with it. But I think there's a lot of situations historically where numbers get priced. Like I think one, and this isn't the same example. I'm not saying it has the same likelihood, but you look at boxing. When Conor McGregor faced Floyd Mayweather years ago, there was this whole public consensus that came in that Conor McGregor was going to win. And it pushed this value down to a point where like you could get Floyd at minus 300. And I'm not a person that lays juice, but it turned into like the best value that I've ever seen on the board and ended up being like a 40 unit sort of bet for me where I essentially just clicked the all in button and said, I think there's value in this spot. I'm going to go for it. Now it's boxing at the end of the day. It's Floyd Mayweather. This is golf. There's volatility. There's only 120 players. It's easier to make the cut than it normally would be. I had more in the proper range at minus 400. So we're not talking about something that is an automatic victory here, but there is enough value to where if you're telling me that I can get it at around minus 200, I have proper at minus 400. I decided to go 1.75 units there. All about the edges. And you make an interesting comparison there where you had the best at what he does in boxing against an MMA guy. And instead here you have a PGA professional against PGA tour players. And so not the same fight. And especially after last week where he caught lightning in a bottle, that slam dunk was one of the craziest shots I've ever seen in golf. (laughs) Uh, Great moment, but there's a reason why he's not on the PGA tour and we'll see if he gets found out this week. I'm going to hop in uh, before you, Nick, if that's all right, just because I wanted to comment Please. on Mark Hubbard one. I really like that play. I think, Spencer, we both bet him to win the Byron Nelson before he withdrew on that yeah. Monday or Tuesday a couple weeks ago. So we've been looking to bet him, and I really like the play. I'm going to tell you on it at plus 185. I love the value. He's a guy who has continued to get better and better on approach, and last year he had his best year on approach. This year he's right there as an above-average player on approach again, and – he previously has really struggled on approach here at Colonial, but last year was just about average on approach, which has allowed him to thrive with what he does best, the flat stick. He's gained strokes with the putter in all four years he's played at Colonial, made the cut every year, but hasn't had a top 40, a lot between 42nd and 70th. But you can make an argument that he's playing his best golf right now that he ever has. And if he can just be positive on approach, which he really hasn't done uh, to a significant degree here, that putter is going to carry him. And I like the top 40 play for him at plus 185. And in a similar note, I'm going to play another guy who is 
playing better on approach than he really has ever in his career. And that's Patrick Rogers, not a guy whom I normally bet, but I'm going to bet him for upside this week. He's another player who's really strong with the putter and I'm betting him for top 10 at plus 650 at a book that has all ties paid in full. You can also get him at plus 700 for the top 10 at bet 365. But overall, if he, I think he's got upside because he's strong off the tee and with the putter top 50 in strokes gained on both of those metrics so far this year on the PGA tour. And He's gained strokes putting here in all six of his appearances. So he really likes the greens. We mentioned pure bent grass, pretty flat. So conducive to the best putters taking advantage and rolling the rock well. And in four of his six appearances, he gained at least three and a half strokes putting for the week. So he's done it in a big way and he's done it consistently. And then the significant improvement in approach play, which last year was the first time he got better than minus 0.3 strokes on approach in his PJ tour career, which he's been on the tour for a while, but the fact that he's done it while being such a poor approach player is impressive. And now he's finally gone from being a bad approach player to about average. And he's just tiny, just a tiny bit below average this year, but very average overall. And it showed throughout his career. He was a poor approach play player overall. And he did poorly at colonial year in and year out with those small greens, not being very receptive for his wayward iron shots. But last year, he finally had his best year on strokes gain approach and was gaining in strokes gain approach here at Colonial. And I think that's going to continue this year. And the rest of his game being potentially elite with the off the tee game and with the strong putter, I think gives him some upside. I don't know if he can win this week. I'm not betting him to win his first PGA Tour tournament, especially in a field which includes Scotty Scheffler. But for that top 10 at six and a half to one with ties painted in full, I think it's worth the gamble. And then my final placement market bet i'm going to go into the other side of those placement market bets at minus 120 for garrick higo 60th or worse this course just doesn't fit higo it's a course that puts a premium on driving accuracy approach play and putting he is not great at anything except for hitting the ball really far and this course just doesn't highlight that he's lost strokes gain on approach in five straight tournaments so the so the form is pretty poor and he's lost strokes gain putting in seven of ten as well Overall, not great. And then the course history doesn't have a ton. Just played here one time last year when he missed the cut by five strokes. I don't think he makes the cut this week. And even if he does, we still got a little bit of wiggle room where he could potentially finish outside of the top 60. So I'm going to bet, or I'm going to fade Higo this week outside of the top 59, 60th or worse at minus 120. Sorry for hopping in front of you there, Nick. Let's hear what else you got. No, you're all good. Pod in play, pod for me on Hubbard. I'm going to take awesome. that. I took Will Gordon, top 40 at plus 190. Matthew Naismith as well at plus 160 is probably my favorite bet of the week outside of the Henley misprice. Aaron Rye at plus 150. And, that, and Andrew Putnam at plus 120. I don't know if I love the Putnam number. I had it at plus 100, so even money. 20 points of value. I usually look for 25 to 30. I did have it everywhere else, but Putnam just blew up my numbers this week in terms of safety. So I did take the the plus money there in terms of scouring the market to see where the best price was. It seems like the market was usually at minus 110 there. So I did go with Putnam. I like all those. I think those guys all fit this course pretty well. Guys, any other final plays before we get into our rapid fire and touch on some players that we haven't talked about that the people need to know about? Not for me. I I mean, I think it's one of those cards where I'm trying to add things from an in-tournament perspective. And and I think, and I'm hoping that it'll be a good in-tournament head-to-head market also. Like it was one of the, you kind of have these ebbs and flows with that market to where there's been a couple weeks where like, it's really hard to find anything. And then uh, last week was like, 
a gambler's paradise to where if I wanted to give a million plays, I legitimately could have found a million plays to recommend. I tried to be, you know, condensed on what I recommended inside articles and stuff, but I'm hoping that we get another good market to find there because that's always to me where if I can have a winning week betting the in-tournament bets, I normally will end up with a profitable week at the end of the day. So that's kind of my bread and butter of what I'm trying to find. So once again, you can find Spencer here at the Action Network with a bunch of in-tournament plays. Also, follow everybody on Twitter. If you're watching on our videos, you can see that we have all of our um, our Twitter ads up. And you can see Spencer's is at T off Sports. Nick is at Sticks Picks. That's Sticks with an X. And I'm at Roberto8213. So be sure to keep up with us throughout the tournament. And before we get to the tournament, let's try to prep you guys and give you an idea of what we're thinking for some other players that we maybe haven't touched on as much just because we don't like their pre-tournament numbers. Guys, what do you make Scotty Scheffler to win this tournament? And what would you have to bet him at a pre-tournament price? I'll uh, start with you, Nick. I got him at five to one flat. I don't know. I, I wouldn't bet anybody sub 10 to one. It doesn't matter who it is. Like, even though, I mean, that what is that? 16% give or take implied probability. This is a pretty decent field up top. You got Finau, you got Hovland, Spieth, Morikawa, Sanjay, Justin Rose playing great. Tommy Fleetwood, we both, or all three of us think has some win equity here. It's just not a field where I think you should be five to one. I know Scotty's awesome. It's Texas. Everything is clicking with his game. Maybe outside the putter would seem to look a little bit better last week at Oak Hill. It's just that's too short of a number, I guess. 12 to 1 to bet Scotty, but we're never going to see that price in this type of event, even though I do think this field is stronger than when we were seeing John Rahm at 4 and 5 to 1 as well. Absolutely. Spencer, how about you? Yeah, I think 5 to 1 is a fair number there. Um, You know, I am a little bit more aggressive. Like, I've obviously said I don't want to go to the top of the board in these positions. Uh, I do think historically, though, in the right spots, and, and a lot of those situations would be like Rory or Dustin Johnson from years ago, where you could put him in a weaker field than this, and I thought seven and a half or eight to one would be value. I think if you could give me 10 to one, I would bet it because there's too much value. Like if you could give me double the price, I'm going to do it, and then I'll just essentially remove the rest of my card and call it a one bullet shot there with it. Um, But it's just not a realistic thing that's going to happen in this field. And with the masking, the odds to begin with, I'm surprised that the number is even as close to proper as what I had it to be with it. So um, not going to play it. I'm a little bit afraid that we come back here next Tuesday and we have this conversation. It's like, yep, Scotty Scheffler finally made some putts. He won the golf tournament. We all saw it coming. It's just, I'm not going to get there at that number, unfortunately. And when I can't get there on a bet, it's like, it becomes one of those things. How much exposure do I want to the event? And if the answer is not much, then you're not going to have much of a card. I decide to take a little bit more of a stance by taking Harmon and Henley and Siwoo and KH Lee and some of these names. But like when I initially built this, like I was considering a Russell Henley card and a KH Lee card and calling it a day and having nobody else. But um, yeah, I think if I had 10 to one, I would probably jump in. What number would you need to bet on Colin Morikawa this week? Guy who is still really strong with the irons, but the putter continues to be a question mark. I'll start with you, Nick. 22. Spencer? I'm not a Morikawa guy. I mean, I guess if you gave me like, I think proper is probably the price that Nick said. If you could give me 28 and I could get six points of value there. 
I would take him at 28, but once again, it's not a price that I'm ever going to see out in the market. For what it's worth, I would take him at 20 to one. I'm a big Morikawa guy. <laughs> I think I this, love week, it. this week helps Don't him care. out. Easy around the green and the easy putting, but it's a question of if he can just do it. Um, I also, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago that maybe I should be betting Morikawa. Maybe I should be betting Hovland when I've been betting Morikawa just because of the difference in putting between the two. And I think the extra gear Hovland has off the tee also separates him from Morikawa. Uh, that's just kind of a, a little change that I've made in the short term, but I'm keeping an eye on Morikawa uh, as we get to these shorter tracks that emphasize, emphasize iron play. Just need to see some life with him with the short game. Moving on. If I gave you a ticket at 40 to one for Ricky Fowler, Chris Kirk, or Cameron Davis at 35 to one, it's free hundred bucks on it. Which one are you going to take? Which ticket? Nick, we'll start with you. Ricky without question. Mm. I'm also taking Ricky, but I'm like trying to negotiate with you to see if I can get somebody else instead. But I, I, I think Ricky makes the most logical sense of the three. Um, I don't know how aggressive that I am behind any of them. Like from an upside perspective, Ricky would be the top choice. I think over 40 to one is probably the fair price. And maybe I'm stuck on that mentality with it, but we have seen an improvement, like a vast improvement from here, him here in 2023. I don't know if he's reached that Jason day level to where like a win is right around the corner, but it's, it's close. Like there was, I, I think I said this a couple of shows ago, there were essentially four golfers for me that saw massive increases this year in the way that I ran my numbers, Wyndham Clark, uh, Jason day, Ricky Fowler, Steven Yeager. The last two are the two that haven't won from that mix. So I wouldn't be shocked if one of those two does end up winning a tournament here in 2023. Well, that's correlated with my next question. If I gave you an 81 ticket on these four guys who are all below or on these three guys who are all below 70 to one, which one would you take? Denny McCarthy, Kurt Kitayama, or Steven Yeager? I'll start with you, Nick. German Hammer. I don't really like any of these guys that much this week, but I do have uh, my numbers spit out Yeager at 49 to one. So to get 80 to one, I, I would have to by default. Denny's at 55, so he'd be second. And Kitayama, I got at 65, so no interest in Kitayama there. I bet Steven Yeager pretty much every single week, if you became my sugar daddy for this and ended up placing a bet for me, I think that's an amazing thing here that somebody's actually going to pay for a Steven Yeager <laughs> ticket. Show just All got right. weird. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of weird, we haven't mentioned Alex Smalley or Taylor Moore in this show, which I would have thought, would have been about minus 1,000 that one of us would have mentioned him by now on the show. If I gave you a ticket on one of those two guys at 90 to 1, they're both at 70 to 1 at Bet365, which one would you take? Nick, we'll start with you. Taylor Moore, all day. That's my boy. I was actually going to mention him prior because that was when, when uh, Spencer was talking about the guys that are kind of skyrocketing for him. Wyndham Clark was one of the guys for me in my numbers all year long, and Taylor Moore was as well. I just didn't have the ticket at the Valspar when Spencer did, which breaks my heart, but... Yeah, Taylor Moore all day. I just think he's such a well-rounded uh, player. Showed his emotions a little bit this week. We all know the video. Um, you know, whatever. I, I kind of like that type of aggression. Maybe not that extent, but on TV too and all that stuff. But Taylor Moore. Give me Taylor Moore. The correct answer is supposed to be Taylor Moore here. Like, I know that when I give this answer. But I have come on way too many shows with you guys and have continued to say Alex Smalley is eventually going to win a par 70 tournament. For me not to pick Alex Smalley in a par 70 tournament. So 
I like Smalley this week. I, I couldn't figure out a way to get exposure to him. And there were some problems from a metric standpoint that didn't like put a perfect profile to the mix here, but he's a player that I like. That's an answer I give every single week. Like that's not going to be a shock for anybody listening, but I, I think uh, Smalley's another one that if Roberto, you want to pay a ticket for that, I am, I'm very happy with that. <laughs> for what it's worth, I would go Taylor Moore as well. And it's probably the right answer, but. But everyone knows. It is. Yeah. we're all in on Taylor Moore over here as well. Um, speaking of guys who have some upside younger players, Davis Riley, guy who had the lead at one point here last year before, I believe he made a snowman on the 13th or 14th hole, but he's got a win very recently at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans, mixed around a bunch of missed cuts and WDs. He's 80 to one at bet 365. So is Hayden Buckley, a guy who's elite off the tee because of his combination of distance and driving accuracy. If I gave you a 101 ticket on one of those two guys, which one would you take, Nick? It's going to be Buckley, and I know Spencer's numbers are going to be the same because I've seen him. Uh, Hayden Buckley surprisingly grades out very well for me. I have him priced at 67 to 1, so get 100 to 1. I would take it all day if I could do that. So I guess I'll probably do that if you just gave me the number. I'm at 365, so yeah, Hayden Buckley it is. Fire away. Pod play. I, I think this is a really good tournament for Hayden Buckley. I'll just leave it at that. Like, obviously I don't have an outright on him, but I think this is a very good tournament that he has a legitimate chance to work himself up the leaderboard. All right. Well, speaking of impod plays, I'm going to add an impod play right now. I'm seeing Tom Hoagie at 80 to one. I hadn't seen him really shorter than 50, 60 to one anywhere. He's got really poor course history. I think Spencer, you mentioned he's a guy who should profile well here. It's really surprising that he's got poor course history, given his strengths and weaknesses and what the course emphasizes. But also, this course is in Fort Worth, which notably is where TCU is from. It's right around the corner, and this is where TCU practices. So Tom Hoagie's played here a million times, and the first time he played here, he had a top 20 finish, but since then, it's been ugly. Six total starts for him, by the way. At 80-1, to one, that's incredible value. And I bet him three weeks ago at the – two weeks ago at the Byron Nelson at 50-1. to one. The fact that you can get 80 to one on a course that I think fits him much better. I'm in on that. So I'm adding him to that. What do you guys make proper for Tom Hoagie this week? I'm at 60 flat. When I run this purely for upside, it, it gets gross. Like I can get him into the 40 to one range with it, but uh, <laughs> there's, there's downside to be had. I think a safer number is probably where Nick has it there, but um, Hoagie, KH Lee, Siwoo Kim, these are those are three golfers specifically that do not have the course history that you're looking for here. But if you just start running things from a statistical numerical perspective, they start skyrocketing in the model. And like I talked about 30 minutes ago, Hoagie's the number one player for me in this pitch and putt sort of contest. There's a lot to like about him from a numerical perspective here. I don't know if he's necessarily going to make it work. Maybe he gets in this area and he starts partying. He all of a sudden is back in the TCU area and this becomes one big massive party for him. But I, I do think this is a really good course setup for him to where it's like one of those situations that we always talk about. If he hits, he hits big. And if he misses the cut, well, you lost an 80 to one ticket, but you took the upside on it. So those are the bets that I like to make outrights on because at least when it works, it works in a big way. Yeah, hopefully he got the partying in the area out when he was at the Byron Nelson two weeks ago over there in McKinney. Didn't get a top 40 there. 
uh, nor did he at the PGA Championship, but made the cut both weeks and had a really strong week last week on approach at the PGA as well. But not a course that's going to suit his game. Guys, anybody at 100 to 1 or longer who intrigues you this week that we haven't mentioned yet? Um, I don't know if he's 100 to 1. I like JT Poston on a bounce back this week. Uh, I don't think in the outright market, but I think top 20, I could get all the way up to there. Top 40 is eh, it's about even money most of the market. So, yeah, top 20 on JT Poston. I don't think he's 100 to 1. Seeing though. him at 90 to 1 90 there to 1. on bet 365 right now, currently. Nope. Yep. There you go. Good call. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to get a hundred to bet him, but I think it, I'm going to get my exposure elsewhere. I think this is a really good bounce back spot for him and his game's starting to turn around a little bit. I like that one. Spencer, I, I think any- the ones that intrigue me most would probably be the Hayden Buckley call that we just talked about a little bit ago. Um, Nick Taylor is somewhat intriguing from upside. I don't know if I necessarily think Andrew Putnam's going to win this event, but he's a name that grades really well for me. I don't know. Once we get lower than that, probably not like that Mark Hubbard ticket was kind of as, I mean, that's going very low on the board. I don't want to say that's as low as I'm going to go. Obviously that's going super down in the dumpster there, but I don't know. I don't really want to go much further than 150 to one on most of these picks. So I believe Nick Taylor, when he finished second at the WM Phoenix open, had more strokes gained total that week than Brooks Kepka did last week at the PGA Championship. Unfortunately, he ran into Scotty Scheffler, who remembered how to putt that week. So Scotty was even more astronomically um, low with the strokes gained total numbers that week. But Dick Taylor, a guy who we know has upside, already a winner on the PGA Tour as well. So I think that one's something to consider more and perhaps has value in multiple markets given the state of his game uh, with the approach play and some putting as well. Any final thoughts, guys, on this week and where can the people find you and your work before we get to our show next Tuesday night? I'll start with you, Nick at better golf pod on Twitter and at sticks picks with an S or with an X I'm sorry on Twitter and the best bets article on action network. I'm excited for this event. I'm glad there's a pretty decent field and I just like watching colonial. I think it is a little bit of a boring course, but it seems like the tournament always gives us a good run on Sunday. So I'm excited for another one of those, especially after last Sunday. Yeah, and then the one thing I'll just add to it, just from a talking about players here, when you get these shorter venues, I, I do believe that there's names that are more prototypically set up to find success. So, I mean, it would be players like Neesmith and Hubbard. Uh, it would be golfers like Andrew Putnam and Nick Taylor, which we just talked about. It would be somebody maybe like KH Lee. It's these players that consistently find success at these shorter courses. So if you were to tell me that somebody won this event, that wasn't one of the big names, I'm going to guess it's probably a golfer that's inside the top 40 of my model for these strokes gain total on short courses over the past year. That's a model that you can get over at Rotoballer that I release every week. You can find me on Twitter at T off sports. And then as always, I will have a Wednesday article here at action network where I will give my favorite round one bet if there is a head-to-head matchup that I like for the day. Awesome. Tons of stuff from Nick and Spencer throughout the weekend. This weekend, for me, you can find me at Roberto A213 on Twitter. I'll also be on tomorrow's green, or excuse me, on tomorrow's gimme with Jason Sobel. We'll also have uh, that Best Bets article coming out later this evening, and I'm, we'll also have a little Long Shots article published tomorrow on Action Network as well. Thanks again for tuning into our show. 
And once again, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION, that's A-C-T-I-O-N, to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 free. For more great golf content from our Action Network team, you can check out our Best Bets episode that's already live wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that's from earlier this week where Jason Sobel and the PGA Tours, Ben Everill quickly run down their top 18 plays for this week's tournament over there at Colonial, the Charles Schwab Challenge. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com and the Action app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content. And by the time you hear this podcast, our Best Bets article will also be out with Nick and Spencer's full thoughts on the tournament. You can find them at Sticks Picks and at Tioff Sports. Thanks again for everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our hardworking producer, Noah, who's staying up through the late night and getting these published from all the way across the world. Thanks to him and thanks to everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially producers Sophia and Matt. Thanks for tuning into our podcast, especially thanks to you, the listeners. And here's to hoping you hit the green this week at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.